Father's Day, and it would be fallen on me to share a little bit on the, the heart of the Father this morning. perfect father. I think uh, if we all start looking at ourselves, men, maybe we should all stand up. Please, men, fathers, stand up. Potential young men who are not yet fathers should also stand. Potential fathers. Yes, young men. Young men. It's in, it's in the future for you, the younger men, but... Uh, Yeah, you know, we, we, often, we often think of it's a biological fatherhood that we're talking about, but we're also talking about stepfatherhood as well. Step, stepfatherhood also enables us to stand, to stand tall in the presence of God the Father, because he has also anointed each and every one who is a male the, the role of being fatherhood. Okay, so let's just pray. Gracious Father is... We are in a mixed audience, Lord, of male and female, Lord. I, I just pray, Lord, that you will indeed just endeavor to touch the heart in each of the men represented, whether in boyhood or in later years, Lord. Each one of us has stood before you, Lord, at many times, Lord, and we're bewildered. We're bewildered at what lies before us in the word fatherhood. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we touch each one, one um, sore spots this morning, Lord, in fatherhood. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will be the, the healing balm, that you will take from the hurt and take from that which is we haven't done, and that you'll forgive us, Lord, in these moments of this morning, Lord, that you will indeed just rest your healing hand upon each of the potential fathers, the fathers, and those, Lord, like myself, Lord, who are grandfathers. I pray, Lord, that you are in stepfathers too that you will anoint and that you will bless as we hear your word this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can take your seat. At the time of uh, Jesus coming onto the earth, and this might sound like a Christmas story, but it's really not, it's when Jesus came onto this planet and, and the Father in heaven sort of appointed Mary to be the mother. He also appointed a man very little is known of Joseph. I know we perhaps, if we think of the, the Sunday school, um, sort of like uh, nativity plays, we, we all know that uh, when they list out the characters, there's those that have got a speaking role, perhaps like the angel or perhaps the shepherds. And the wise men who have the three little songs that say about the frankincense and the myrrh and what's the other one? Gold. So we kind of know that those are the characters. It, we can all picture in the, the nativity plays that most of the time we see Mary sitting there sort of by the side of the crib. I know in our previous congregation in, in the Eastern Cape, it generally was a little blue sort of like gown that Mary would wear. But standing beside of her was a silent person who perhaps had his dad's dressing gown on and he perhaps had a towel around his head. But he stood proud next to Mary, whose name was Joseph. And kind of if you read through Scripture, there's very little that is said about Joseph. Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, 
But we do know from Scripture that there were times if we go through the if we go through the life of Jesus, there must have been times where those that disciples took must have shown Jesus how to hammer, how to cut wood, how to look after property, how to do different things. During those thirteen years, there must have been some communication between Joseph and Jesus, obviously. We also know that Joseph was very caring for Jesus because he, he listened to the concerns through the angel that spoke to him. He spoke and he listened and he listened and he obeyed. And he took Joseph and Mary, uh, Joseph took Mary and Jesus, as we know, on the donkey rides to Egypt. And there they, they went into sort of like uh, isolation, if you like. He looked after them. He, he obviously must have worked. He must have foraged for food. He must have, he must have worked hard. But very little in Scripture is taken. Now, at that same time that uh, uh, Jesus was being born and uh, the life of between the Mary and Joseph, Luke records for us in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, quite a, an important role. And, and, and it says these words, and he will go on before the Lord. And he's talking about John the Baptist. And it's the responsibility of John the Baptist to say these words. Before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. And this is the key word that I want to look at this morning. To turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. But I want us to focus in on to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. If we, if we go through that particular verse and we really just look at that and sort of like standing before the father and we're looking at that role of being father, what is fatherhood really, really like for me when you've got children of this sort? Does it mean just getting up in the middle of the night and uh, when there's a noise outside and going to see and being pushed out of the door to find out what's going on when you'd rather be hiding under the warm blankets in the bed? That's what it's saying. Or is fatherhood to buy all those wonderful toys you wanted as a child but never got? Remember those little toys that your other friends had and you never got? But now you're a grandfather or you're a father, you can now go and buy those toys. And being part of fatherhood is to get the, the, the wonderful screwdriver that's in the, the toy kit. You know what I'm talking about? But it needs to be a sort of like a nuclear physicist to actually put the toy together. Sorry, I, I nearly said the wrong word. Uh, that toy that's very frustrating when it's really just that screwdriver. And as I say, you need to be a, a physicist to assemble the thing. Or is it those moments when you've been somewhere, you've been on the beach and you've driven home and your children are tired and they've fallen asleep in the car and you've kind of picked them up out of the car or perhaps you've been to community late at night and you had a good cry or whatever it may be and you lift them up out of the car and you slump into their little beds when you're just as tired as they are, when you're really unable to sort of carry through the, the threshold of the of the house. Is that really fatherhood? Or perhaps it's fixing kites. 
Yeah, we all love that as men, don't we? We love to fix the kite and get it flying in the air with that long string and all the little bits and pieces. But what about the dental bills, the the ornithologists and all the things that go down? And, of course, repairs to the boat wheels and boxes. We all think of that as fatherhood. want to sort of just reiterate a little bit about my fatherhood, that I have learned, perhaps started off learning the wrong side of fatherhood from my dad. He sort of was one of those men who kind of, and I, I sort of am being very vulnerable here when I sort of sort of say by his example and by his actions, um, I kind of felt a little bit as if it was performance only. Um, he kind of was a good father, and he really looked after myself and my mom, who I'm an only child. And my father was, was always on the edge of his seat, so he well, don't you? But it could be a reward in it. I kind of felt that there was a, there was a kind of a, a performance base, that as long as I did well and I carried on doing well, I knew that possibly there'd be a performance reward at the end. And, and really, if you take that into sort of a father in a Christian family, you can see that that's that tending towards being like a servant, a servant who gets a reward for doing good work, but there's no closeness, there's no, there's no real um, um, sort of example that's given. And I'd just like to give honor and glory to my dad, who he did teach me lots of good fatherhood um, manners, examples, and, and, and I really do praise him for what he said and what he did. And I also wanted just to share the, the graciousness of another father in my life, and that was my father-in-law. He kind of, <laughs> could you make him? <clears throat> but he had a graciousness to him. Uh, yes, he, he also was performance only. He, uh, both my father-in-law and my dad were old school, if you like, and they, they saw that you did well at school, and they would they would reward you, and they, they would kind of put you into this mold of, I'm going to call it servanthood, which was good for him, because my scripture records some, I love to say, adulterous things in the household of God, the Father. Servants, uh, it's in 1 Peter 2, verse 18, servants be subjected to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to those who have authority. And in John 15, verse 15, Jesus said these words, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Because Jesus is Lord and Master, he should call us servants. But that's not what he says eventually in Scripture. He calls us sons and daughters. And I want us to remember that, because we're not living the Old Testament. We're not just living the commandments of God. And I just want to sort of say as a, an example of my life and appreciation of my dad and my father-in-law that there stood a point in the 1980s when we first started to have became more active in the church and I gave my life and my soul and my life to Jesus in the 1980s, the early 1980s. My life towards servant and fatherhood changed. And I just want you to realize that 
no longer was I talking about the healing of the servant. Um, because a servant never gets to that final reward. He never gets to that suffering of the wrong day. And that's the way Jesus has spoken to me through the, um, the story of that I'm going to share now. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That new birth within me in my being born again gave me a different perspective. It gave me a different perspective than Jesus had with the saints. But in that six sacrificial day that Jesus had on the cross, he has now raised me up higher to enter into belonging to the Father, God the Father. And I became a son, not just a son of, of my own family, in the family of God. It made a difference because I now knew who I was in Christ. And it's, it's that sad that I, I, I find so many people still wanting this um, performance based, like a servant, use the will of the Father as a servant, rather than that acceptance to be a son or a daughter in the heart of Abba the Father. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 really simply sets up what sin is in our hearts all the time. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. Servant is not a child. You know, it's in the Old Testament, children is a son or a daughter. And so it's a, a role of authority that our Lord wants us to go through this morning. And if we go through the, the harmful and experiences that happen in having a father, perhaps we have a general idea of what fathers we would like to be. And perhaps in our minds, we all have that picture uh, of being fathers this morning. And I, I have to just say, in terms of um, a lot of mothers, also single parent mothers, take on that role the same way in many examples. But it's the kind of father relationship that I want to zone in on this morning. children feel secure, confident, loved and accepted. We children show sex desire and remain faithful to their spouse in marriage. We children develop a, a reputation as men and women of integrity, of honesty. It's not just for hard workers whose children can just say, my dad <laughs> is promising whose children stand up to unearthly peer pressure, children who develop healthy friendships, those kids who say no to drugs and alcohol and risky behaviors, whose children quickly exhibit parental love, are, who are forgiving and patient with others and who enjoy a healthy sense of self-esteem and self-confidence. How do we bring all those emotions? How do we bring all those images of fatherhood? How do we, as, as parents and as shepherds, but also as a father, a father figure, where do we look? Where do we find that, that 
kind of power does this signal that we need to do? We, we've all got that picture, the kind of father that we want to be. You know, it's the kind of father and, or grandfather that I want to be. I want my children and grandchildren to know all those feelings. And to especially when, it, when I read that particular part, my dad loving me. I also want my grandchildren to know that I think that that is good. So I think we, we need to just this morning as we go through that, we just need to take a step back and very carefully. We're looking at imitators of God who share in God. Imitators of God, therefore, must really let loose of themselves. So let's just go to that chapter, some of the scriptures and the messages like that in the scriptures. And let's have a look at what it says. It says, I want to warn you, a father who loves and accepts his children is no submissive parent. He is showing a place of utter inferiority to the word of God. And in this passage of scripture, we see for God's sake the disunity. And we, we read in, uh, in the New Testament, and some, some of them are the Old Testament as well, but we love because God first loved us. I think we all know 1 John 4, verse 19. But God shows his great love for us in this, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Romans 8, 25. That's all you've heard those words. You've read those scriptures. Did not, God did not wait for us to reach these expectations. He did not wait for us to make us proud. He did not wait until we measured up to his standards. He simply loved us. He loved us, loved us not only that but he shows loving he demonstrates his love for us in many tangible ways you see God the father is not the kind of father who's just suddenly hugging his child and saying I love you God is not the kind of father who has more importance than the civilian maybe that's scratching on just below the, the band-aid and that's just like and your heart's feeling bad Perhaps you are not hugging your child and saying, I love you. Perhaps you are doing other things, more important things, than being with your children. In the Old Testament, we see God demonstrating his love um, in a practical way. He chose them. And from Deuteronomy, the Lord did not care for you and choose you because there were many of, of you. You are the smallest dice of all. But the Lord choose, chose you because he loved you. And then he led them. He, in the, in the, you're failing love. He will lead the people. He has his hand in your strength. He will guide them to a holy dwelling. He leads them. And then he blesses them. In Deuteronomy again, he will love you and bless you. He will make the number of your people great. He will bless you with your children. He will bless you with your fields and good crops and your good ground, new wine and oil and the blessing that comes from the house. And then he forgives. God forgives. And the psalmist writes, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. How do we shape up? When we look at our own children, are we choosing them and loving them? 
Are we leading them? Are we blessing them? Are we forgiving them? The Father loves us first and foremost. Even the death of his one and only son could not stand in the way. He also loves us forever. And there's many pictures that we can use of those words. Our Father's love is complete. Our Father's love for each and every one of us is so complete, it's unfinished, it's unconditional. We cannot earn it. We cannot escape it. That's the kind of father I want. I want my children and my grandfather, as a grandfather, I want my grandchildren to know that I accept and love them. I want them to know that I love them long before they could return my love. How do I say that? I want to know that I love them their first time they interacted with me was when that milk bottle burpees on my shoulder and she said, I love you, Papa. And burpee nappies, those were the first interactions with my two daughters. And sad, well, also happily with my grandchildren as well, changing nappies, burping and bottles. My grandfather So we are called to be imitators of God. Now, where are we in fatherhood? You know, how are we learning as fathers to be? Where are we in that in that relationship with our children? Are we encouraging? Are we imitators of God the Father? For God encouraged Moses at the burning bush, and he told them to go and speak to the nation of Israel. God encouraged Gideon by calling him to be a mighty warrior. God encouraged Joshua. And as Joshua set out to conquer the promised land, God encouraged Jeremiah and was was chosen to be his prophet. God encouraged them with the word and with his presence and with his assistance. You see, um, you can read from Joshua 1 verse 9. I have not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with with you wherever you go. Are we encouragers to our children? I perhaps want to pause there and just ask, well, just make it a rhetorical question for time. Are we becoming encouragers? Or are we just saying that's what your important thing to do? I want to be a kind of a father who encourages his, his boys, my ones, both ones. I want to be there for my children. I want to be there for my grandchildren. I want to have that presence, and I want to be able to assist them wherever I can. Now, as I was preparing for, for this, for my presentation, for my message this morning, I came across one or two rather sad uh, instances of fatherhood, and it begged the question, do you, do you listen to them, or do you just note them and forget about them? Or do we just highlight them a little bit and to just touch these little issues that are in people's lives and we start realizing the, the danger that's there. And I, I want to sort of kind of go into the, the, the scripture, which is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And that encouraging 
moment of making a decision, are you saved and faithfully live? Are you slipping up and not being faithful? Are you there not really building the church and not giving them negative words? Because in, in the the studies that I, I went through, it, it just shows you that the the statistics, and I don't always go by statistics, but that seems to be what it says. Um, it tells one man tells a survey revealing that parents average ten negative comments to their children for every one positive comment. Let me read that again. Revealed that parents average ten negative comments to their children for every positive one. So just think back, guys. How well have you been talking to your children? Are you affirming them? Are you giving them adjectives that they deserve? Or are you failing them? Are you failing the words that you very easily accuse them of? Are you letting unwholesome talk come out of your mouth? Are you being unhelpful? I must confess that I, I still have a long way to go, even though now I'm a grandfather of years of of going through things in the wrong way, I still need to, to really to come to the face-to-face with how to be an encourager. How negative words hurt. I mentioned about early on with my dad and, and how you kind of had those, those moments where um, I didn't come up with the expectations that I should have wanted. And just in that negative moment, it took a lot of more positive steps for me to overcome those. I came across a, a story with these psychology kind of stories, and, and it does beg the question, how we hurt our children perhaps unknowingly. Um, frequently, in certain areas of the country, there are lightning and thunderstorms. And we don't get it quite so much here in, in George, but when you start realizing how your four, four, five-year-old child, how lightning and thunder and I'm sure you all know when I'm talking about those heavy bolts of lightning and those real rumbles of thunder, how a child is fearful. And the, one of the, the stories that I read through was that the, the child ran in the middle of the night to his parents' car, uh, bed, bedside. And the father just said, you're a big girl now. Get back to bed. And how negative was that? The child was frightened of that lightning and the thunder. And this child, in the, in the story that we go through, if didn't read the whole story, was that for 10, 12, 15 years afterwards, that event, this child did not know the love of her father, and it harmed her for many, many years. And I'm just using that as an example to realize how our words hurt children, how our words, how our actions, are we becoming encouragers or unknowingly? And it scratched that we really reflect on our own lives, are we being the encouragers God wants us to be? If I reflect back and I look back on this particular father that the story uh, relates to, I want to be the one who comforts this child when they are, even though they are um, a, a family of their own, I still want to be there for them. I still want to be there for the, the grandchildren as they grow up to know the comfort and the love and the care that they have. In Psalm 34, verse 17 to 18, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them 
he delivers them from their troubles, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. How do we respond as fathers? Thank you, fathers, and for that matter, mothers as well. Are we close to the brokenhearted child when they are crushed in spirit? Or like the psalmist shouts in Isaiah, Isaiah 49, verse 13, Shout for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Are we showing that same comfort? On reflection, one of the, the compassion and the comfort, the next word that goes to mind is the word discipline. And sometimes as fathers, we kind of, what's your mother going to do? How many times do we want to ignore the discipline that's verbal? And sometimes we, we need to know what the Lord says to us about that and how we can respond to the word discipline. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 5, it says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. How strong are those words? Proverbs 3, verse 12 says, The Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Once again, how are we disciplining our children? One of the, the favorite things with our two daughters was they would run to me and ask me something, and then I'd probably tell them no, and they'd run to Barbara, and she'd probably say, well, ask your father. He did, Mum. He said no. Well, then that's the answer, she would say. So sometimes, you know, parents, mums, dads, you've got to be on the same page. You've got to communicate rules together clearly. And discipline, making the punishment fit the case. Planning ahead, knowing that if you do this, this will be punishment. And it prevents any anger and responding the wrong way. It's, yeah, it's really vital to have sin and understanding in your family. Two natural consequences. I know children have got those naughties. This is one of those inevitable things. They will drop something over and break it. That's not, that's a natural thing to be careful don't don't over compensate with a discipline when it is a natural outcome sticking to your guns again mum and dad are you on the same page don't have false threats how do we how do we measure the fathers and fathers day how do we pick up a day full of this and how do we how do we come to some understanding and do we occasionally give that true lordship that compassion not as a father who who really is just about the the do this do that are we showing compassion and i could go through the whole story of david and we all know king david how he's compassionate but he came to that point in final distress he came to that point as he turned to his father in heaven and he cried out have mercy on me O god have mercy on me for in in you my soul takes refuge 
I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until disaster has passed. Oh, oh Lord, my strength, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Psalms 118. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and my horn of salvation, my defender. To our children, let's look to you and say yes. As fathers, they are firstly giving them that encouragement, that love, that that togetherness as a family. Are they in that moment? Psalms 46 again. Both high and low, among them, men find refuge in the shadow of his wings. You know, the, the other the other day we, we were with a family who, just to show you the expression of children loving their parents, when a child scoops up a piece of pie that they're, that they're about and just cuddles up and falls asleep, that's where the expression of finding refuge in the shadow of his wings, it really touches my heart as a grandfather looking at a father, looking at a child just creeping up, coming into the closeness of, of her dad and just falling asleep. That's what this is about. That's the kind of dad that I want to be. I know I can't be God Almighty, and I know I, 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 I know he knows all things, and I just want to be in that position to say that I've been the best father and grandfather that I can be. And I want to just close with a particular story. It takes place at the, the 400-meter road race, uh, uh, track race, in the 1992 Olympics. Um, it talks about the, the race where Derek Redman, his name, of Great Britain, was running the 400-meter race. And he was going well. I mean, he could have, if he would have run the race to completion, he probably would have won or at worst came second. But about 50 or 60 meters towards the end of the race, his hamstring snapped, and he hobbled and fell to the ground. And I just want you to picture the, the scene as, as he's laying on the ground and he's in agony because of his, of his hamstring, and how his leg must have felt. And he tried to stand up. Now, in that moment, as he's tried to stand up, his father was in the crowd. He's pushed through all the, all the security guards. He pushed through some of the coaches, and he came and sat by the side of his son. He said, you can do this, son. He said, no, I can't, Dad. And he helped him up, helped his, his son up. And they walked from that moment his hamstring snapped to the finish line. I want to be that kind of father, that type of grandfather, that will run through all obstacles to pick up my child, to pick up my child and push through in the race of life. When Luke turned to, in Luke 1, back in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, turn our hearts as a father to the children. Ephesians 5, verse 6, be imitators of God's heart. Where are you? Include myself in this. Imitators of God the Father's love, God the Father's example. Are we turning our hearts to harden or becoming soft and rebellious? Let's pray.
Jesus. Father, we give you thanks, we give you praise, Lord, just for the, the words of inspiration and the words of encouragement, Lord, the words of comfort that come from your, your scriptures to us, Lord Jesus. And we, we pray, Lord, that as we just meditate on these words, Lord, this morning, we, we pray, Lord, that you will indeed give to us a, a softening of heart toward what the brethren in Uganda are going through. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you also in that softening of our hearts, you would prepare our hearts towards others. Towards the other family members. Turn our hearts to the children you've appointed to us so that we may indeed be imitators of you. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll encourage us and give you confidence that all the days of our lives praise and glory to you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless all the fathers, the faithful fathers, Lord, and all the mothers, grandfathers, Lord. We, we just pray, Lord, that you will indeed turn our hearts in such a way, Lord, that the children will know you even more. Lord Jesus, bless us 